This podcast is brought to you by Modest Coffee, single origin coffee without the snobbery. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what coffees they're roasting today. Cheers! Welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a coffee podcast. This is a podcast where three friends, co-workers, coffee industry professionals get together once every couple weeks, try a coffee, and commit to giving it no bad reviews. And we'll tell you something about coffee, if you're lucky, maybe. <laughs> Will we today? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to learn. We're going to learn? We're going to learn and consume. <laughs> Great. I'm Jenny. I run the operations at a coffee company called Modest Coffee. I'm Marcus, and I'm the Merkin Master. <laughs> <laughs> Your good food award-winning coffee roaster and expert today on our subject, you which had, we'll get into. I'll just go ahead and tell our listeners that you had to be there before we started recording where we were talking about Merkin bags as opposed to Birkin bags. We don't need to get into details. And Marcus <laughs> apparently is a, an expert in Merkins. No. Just a master. <laughs> Google it. Oh, God. Don't, don't, don't Google it. <laughs> don't do it on com- company computers. It's gonna... a two- I'll just tell you guys, it's a toupee for your crotch. I don't, I don't know I... who needs a toupee <laughs> for their crotch. I have the opposite problem. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we airing all this? this My is name the is best Stephanie, episode. and uh... <laughs> she can make a merkin. <laughs> My name is Stephanie, and I'm the modest coffee babe of the month, and I'm thrilled to be here. I guess. <laughs> In case. <Hair> and all. <laughs> That's what makes you a babe at Modest Coffee. <laughs> It's not your smoking bod, it's your smoking crutch. <laughs> Hi, if you're still listening. Thanks. This is what happens when we only get together once every two weeks. I guess so. It gets a little crazy, I guess. <laughs> right out the gate. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's how this week's episode's going to go, maybe. We'll find out. I guess I'll just get the business out of the way first. We have mystery boxes on our website. Just $10. That includes shipping. Uh, you can get 10 cups worth of coffee, a myriad of things from past episodes. There will be some questionable coffees in there. There will be some excellent coffees in there. And we I don't think know. I saw like one, at least one ready to go. Well, Steph's been preparing them. You probably saw it on its way out. Um, okay. We've had people buying them. That's really fun. Cool. And so if you want to like be here with us and like experience what we've experienced (laughs) go ahead to our website under the store tab and you can get yourself one of those it's a really great deal also in that same tab we have merch where you can like dress in really cool no bad review stuff oh about those bike shorts oh those are tight as fuck yeah you warned me Uh uh-huh but I didn't take it into account enough. Yeah. Yes, definitely order a size up. I oh. would say with bike shorts and the leggings, go two mm. sizes up. Because they're both like, both on the small side. Very tight. Yeah. 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 I For like sure. that. So I did size <laughs> appropriate. I like that on you too. <laughs> 
Uh, your Merkin area looks awesome in those shorts. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> Appreciate um, Also, we have a Patreon. On Patreon, we still release weekly episodes. It starts at just four bucks a month, so it's actually like a really good deal. You get four extra episodes per month. Those are Live It or Leave It's, where we try all sorts of different products, and we tell you our unfiltered opinion on them. Oh, and last week's... That was so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I that was, was a fun one. So hard. That was a fun episode. Uh, we tried air roasted coffee. And uh, doesn't sound like it'd be fun, but that was still fun. It was um, funny. Yeah. Took a biblical hard left. That was great. Yeah. Um, And then also at the higher levels, you can get our episodes released early, so you can get access to those. And then also at the highest level, you'll get a present uh, three times a year for our birthdays. We'll send you something fun. So there's some like cool stuff on Patreon that we recommend you go check out. Also, um, you can support us on buymeacoffee.com slash nobadreviewspod. Oh, that's where Patreon is too. Patreon.com slash no bad reviews pod. So I think that's all the the money stuff. Is we it time to make to clarifications then? I think so. Right, time. I have a couple of clarifications from the last episode, the um, Paps Blue Ribbon hard coffee episode. There were just a couple of things I wanted to talk about a little more. I really wanted to understand how Captain Paps sold his commission. Oh, like, yeah. You can become a captain two ways. You can... Work your way up, which Captain Paps did, starting at age 14 as a deckhand. Or you can just buy the title. Mm. Mm. Huh. Still? Uh, good question. Oh, okay. Stay tuned next week. I thought this was a clarification. Um, okay, so he sold his commission and got at least like $21,000 is what he spent to buy half of that brewery. Yeah. So $21,000 in 1862 is $750,000 today. Damn, that's so a lot So he probably got at least a million dollars, I would say, because he probably didn't take all the money and put it into the business. He probably kept some for himself. I would think. So... I mean, that seems like too much just for a title. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get a free title in Kentucky. Why would you pay $750,000? Right. I bet There's it includes some, the boat. Yeah, the boat and the commission. I, right? It's a boat and the, and the route. Like, yeah. it, uh, it's like a turnkey business, yeah. right? Yeah, is what I'm what thinking. I think it's a sea business, for sure. Right. So, um, Not to while be confused I was... with a sea biscuit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is a sea biscuit? That's a horse. I mean, is it anything else? It's nothing to do with the sea. Could it also be a cookie? Uh, I think it's just a horse. I was thinking maybe it was like a crustacean. A crustacean? <laughs> Love it. Um, I did find out in doing that research that today, like right now, a deckhand on a Great Lakes commercial freighter makes like 60 grand a season, which no is shit. only six months. The season is only six months. Marcus has always talked about how he wants to be like a seaman, yeah. a deckhand. Honestly. Mean, it's a little out of context, but sure. It might be time <laughs> to like give up the coffee business. And ju- we could do the podcast from the boat and then we could just roast coffee the other six months of the year. I've I mean, been saying this. This is sounding kind of fun. Seven minutes. And you just <laughs> <laughs> and to just like troll around on the shores of Lake Michigan. Yeah. I mean, you stop off at like Milwaukee. You stop <laughs> off at Green Bay. Uh, Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Head on over to Traverse City. Yeah. I this mean, sounds like the life, right? This is like this is my summer, anyways, and I'm not getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there's an idea for us. I guess this sounds kind of fun. 
I'd love to. You do don't that even thing. have to go that far, which is nice. I know. And there's no like. This is what I like about Lake Michigan is that like if you get lost at sea, you're probably gonna wash up on shore pretty quickly. <laughs> no, not in Lake Michigan. It kills everybody. Okay, that gets lost. Let me tell you about the story I heard of the guy, the fisherman, the one who like got lost at sea for 430 days and yeah. went from Mexico. On Lake Michigan? No, oh, no. Okay. From the like, from Mexico to the Marshall Islands, lost at sea for 400 days. That's not happening to you on Lake Michigan. No, you're, you're just going to sink. You're sinking. I could survive Lake Michigan. You're going to wash ashore pretty quickly. And that's what I like about Lake Michigan. You're not going to be lost for 400 there days. There you go. That's facts, guys. You will not die on Lake Michigan <laughs> if you get lost. No, I didn't say that. You heard it here that. first. I said you would wash up on shore in oh, less than 400 days. Probably dead. <laughs> All right. So we're clarified. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to do this next summer. Cool. Okay. Great. All right, cool. Also, we should eat more Velveeta. Oh. No, we should not. Uh, but that's my next clarification. We were talking about, like, what during Prohibition, Pabst made Pabstet, which mm-hmm. is a product that is basically identical to Velveeta. And none of us were real clear on what's actually in Velveeta. So mm. I looked that up. Okay, tell us. Um, I was going to guess microplastics, but... <laughs> 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 Based on your reaction, I th- um, think I'm wrong. They don't list that in the ingredients. <laughs> it does contain milk because oh, Jenny good. was like, is there even dairy in Velveeta? <laughs> there is dairy in Velveeta. Velveeta was invented in 1923, and here's why. There was a Swiss cheese factory in Pennsylvania, and they made like the big wheels of Swiss cheese. And sometimes the wheel would break. Like oh. it would be dropped or something would happen and it would crack and then it was useless. They'd have to throw it away or give it away. They couldn't sell it. Because it wasn't cheese yet? <clears throat> it was cheese. It was cheese, but then it had been like exposed to the air and it, nobody mm. wanted to buy like a broken wheel of cheese. Okay. So this guy, Emil Frey, who worked at the factory or maybe owned the factory, I don't know, he came up with this idea to take this broken cheese and like crumble it up into little bits and mix it with whey. And whey is like a waste product from cheese making. And that's how he made Velveeta, this Hmm. like melting cheese. So it did contain cheese and whey, and there wasn't much more to it at the beginning. That's not so bad, actually. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And it just, it was like mostly cheese, and it melted easily and... It was like a great way to take two waste products and turn it into like an affordable. Interesting. Fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kraft (laughs) bought it in 1927. And as time went on, I assume probably in the like 1950s era when food really changed quite a bit, Mm -hmm. um, they took the cheese out and just left whey. Ew. (laughs) So it's whey and milk protein and preservatives and coloring agents oh okay. that sounds it. disgusting i mean i don't think that whey is bad and actually whey is really healthy it just it's kind of flavorless so i've made my own cheese before mm. so i know like what whey is mm-hmm. and to get it from like where it's whey to where it's Velveeta, like those are really far it's like a really long path from one to the other and that's what i'm creeped out by it's because it's kind like addition of the milk protein like so where probably... is like what are you adding to like get it to that color, that consistency, and that flavor. So there are coloring agents, and I assume the milk protein has a thickening. Yeah. Yeah. But whey is so Anato. clear, mm-hmm. and then Anato, right? Yeah. And then Velveeta, and then to get it to shelf stable, everything about yeah, that's the shelf weird. stable part is weird for yeah. sure. In two thousand two, the FDA said they couldn't call Velveeta a cheese spread anymore hmm. since there was no cheese in it. 
And so that's when they started calling it a pasteurized prepared cheese product. Okay. Which still has the word cheese in it. I know. But I guess cheese spread makes it sound like it's actual cheese. Right. Whereas cheese product leaves it a little more ambiguous. Yeah. (laughs) Cheese-like product. (laughs) I think would be the best. Mm -hmm. So that's the story of Velveeta. Huh. Still makes some great mac and cheese, though. Yes. I mean, it has its uses, I guess. And then I think this part of the conversation actually got edited out of the episode, but we had a brief conversation about why do Germans make all the beer? We talked about, you know, Wisconsin was 30% German in the mid-1800s, and Wisconsin and Chicago were the big beer brewing places. And why did so many Germans come to this part of the country, and why are they the ones brewing beer? Brief history of beer. I'll try to keep this quick. Okay, great. (laughs) It probably should have been in the episode, but the hard coffee wasn't really beer, so I didn't really look into beer. Mm. But then when I listened to the episode, I felt like there was a gaping hole where beer history should be. Yeah. So really briefly, the reason there were so many Germans in this part of the country is that when there was a mass exodus from Germany, this just happened to be where the frontier was. Oh. This was just where the line was, where they were giving away land. Yeah, or, huh. the interesting. Line of demarcation. Huh. Yes. Hmm. All right. So fermented drinks have been around since the dawn of agriculture. Like that's how far back that goes. Egyptians. Obviously, people. Yes, yes. Yeah. But even before that, like twelve thousand years ago, like when people first started planting. People think of history starting 12,000 years ago. and But I would also argue that that's just like when we have records of it. That's I would true. have to imagine that these practices have probably been going on even longer. So fermented drinks probably date back even further. I would further. say that's probably even further, point. yeah. They used to drink beer with straws huh. because there was so much sediment. That's it was the way to avoid... That makes I've sense. I've had sediments that in weird? beer, yeah. and that makes sense, but it's gross. Yeah, ancient Egyptians loved beer. They were paid in beer. But... um. Historically, beer didn't have a high alcohol content. It was very, very low in alcohol, and it was a way to produce a a drink that wouldn't kill you because so much of the water was not potable. And it was also filling, liquid bread. Mm -hmm. So if there wasn't enough food, it was a good way to fill yourself up. So these fermented drinks were everywhere. There was a mead in China made of rice and honey and fruit at least 7,000 years ago. They have evidence of that. But it wasn't until the 1500s in Germany when they started putting hops in beer. Mm. And that's when it started tasting like what we would consider beer. In 1516, there was a German beer purity law that's still on the books today. Wow. And it said that you had to use barley because previously they were using barley, spelt, wheat, rice, whatever they had. Whatever they had. Yeah, I was just going to say. So Germany made this law. It has to be barley and it has to be, you have to add hops in order to call it beer. Hmm. Is that all beers? No, because there's like wheat beers and stuff. German beer. Just German beer. That's, yeah. And they also, in Germany in the 19th century, began to understand that different strains of yeast gave Mm. beer different flavors. And so they started to isolate different strains of yeast. And then they had varieties of beer, Pilsners and Bachs and Exports and all that. So Germany was the largest brewer of beer from 1500 until the 1980s. Like that whole... (laughs) Wow. Yeah. For like <gasps> four or five hundred years. Yeah. 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 Wow. So this is why so many German oh. people, so many breweries were run by German people, so many brewers were German, is because this is 
where it was all happening. So Germany's literally not even tens that. of thousands of years, history, people, knowledge sharing, all to culminate to make hard fucking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle of human knowledge. Put that shit in a can. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad that didn't make it into the last episode. We've regressed. We've regressed. That's what that means. What is it? Well, it's like you hit the, it's like when you're going up a mountain, you hit the peak and eventually you got to go back down. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we're, we're Look what America has done to beer. It's so right. You know sad. what? That's the American way. Mm. Well, are so, you guys excited to learn about today's episode? I am excited. Okay. We are doing decaf. A coffee nerd episode. It's Marcus's decaf episode. We have people who have asked us about decaf. I'm a decaf drinker. You are. I am because I've got these weird blood sugar issues and caffeinated coffee makes my blood sugar go low, Mm. which is kind of strange. When we started Modest Coffee, we did not have a decaf. And then shortly after we started... You started having these weird reactions to caffeine. I've always had the weird reaction. So, but I'll tell you what happened. We had our third child, and we had three children under the age of three. Oh God! And I could not function without coffee. And I was not a huge coffee drinker until I had the three kids. And then. And then you tasked me with finding a good decaf. Yeah. You were like, find Ask, a good decaf because most decaf sucks. Well, it was more than that. It was like find a way to roast decaf. Because even your roast style of decaf was not good at first. Yeah. I want to say that most people, coffee roasters, don't want to devote the time to decaf. And I would like to say I'm very proud of myself because Marcus was also dismissive of decaf in the very beginning. And I had to start experimenting with the roasting of the decaf. Once I, it was really funny because once I started experimenting on my own and like doing different things and trying things, then Marcus was all of a sudden, he was like, wait a second, what? No, he got kind of protective of it. And then he was like, well, fine, I'll jump in and I'll help you with this, which was great because then we were able to really perfect yeah. the, the way of roasting decaf because it's really a challenge. And I call that like the Uncle Ben style because it was like this instant rice. And you, I, you had this idea. You were like, well, it's already like pre-cooked. So what if we were to, you know, how do we incorporate that into like the heat element? Not to get too nerdy on like the roasting stuff, but like I feel like that was sort of a major breakthrough in like uh, how we approached roasting the coffee was like coming from the assumption that it was already kind of partially cooked. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it all changed for us. So I dug into the history of decaf for this episode and I actually learned there's a pretty rich history here and it's, I'm really excited too because it does tie back to Nazi Germany. (gasps) So, um, we love a good Nazi story around here. Story. I actually wrote that down in my notes. I'm glad you said that. (laughs) I want to, I want to clarify though, that we don't love Nazis. No, No. we just find that time period to be interesting. Yeah. And, fascinating fascinating it's just i think a lot of people are fascinated by world war ii history that's true and it seems to keep coming up on the podcast like for some reason nazis and coffee (laughs) yeah go hand in hand they do yeah so we're gonna take it all the way back to 1900 there's a 26 year old gentleman by the name of ludwig roselius he was a coffee roasting apprentice you know just kind of doing his thing and his father started to have health decline two years later his dad died. Mm. 1902. Oh, no. The cause of death, 
his physician said, the amount of coffee his old man consumed every day. Oh my gosh. Is Do you know how much he was drinking? Yeah, that's got to be a lot. It What's was like three cups a day. Dose? It wasn't Uh-oh. even like that. Look out, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like Yikes. all the physicians back then. It's like, you know, yeah, ghosts in his blood. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, this one was caffeine. So the physician, hey, you know, it's coffee. Um, but that stuck with Ludwig. And from that point on, viewed caffeine, particularly caffeine, because they just discovered caffeine and coffee mm. like 20 or 30 years prior to that. And he felt like that was a poison, and he dedicated his life to finding a way to remove caffeine from coffee beans. Huh. They kind of had a thing against everything except cocaine back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just feed the ghosts in your blood some cocaine, and you'll be fine. His first breakthrough happened one year later, and he actually received a shipment of coffee, and it was soaked. It was like waterlogged. It fell off the boat, and it was soaked in seawater, and they were like, okay, we'll try and roast it or whatever. And it tasted salty, but the flavor otherwise was like, okay, but it had noticeably less caffeine in it. And so that started out like the experimentation for like decaffeinating coffee. They say that you should mix a little salt in with your coffee if you want to cancel out the bitter. Maybe this was some like really excellent coffee. Let's right. try. We'll get some seawater and we'll soak <laughs> our beans in it. We'll try our own decaffeination process. We are 4,000 miles away from any seawater. <laughs> <by the> <laughs> what would we call this? Saltwater decaffeination. We're coming for you, Swiss water. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is he developed this technique of then purposefully, intentionally washing green coffee with salt water and then rinsing it in a little chemical called benzene. You guys hear about benzene? You know what benzene is? I think is? that's a bad one. It's a, it's a bad one? I don't it's know about benzene. Like I've heard of it. Yeah, it's not It's not a good one. It's like paint stripper. Oh, you know, yeah. That kind of I think stuff. It's funny that he's like trying to like not kill himself with caffeine by adding benzene <laughs> to his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, this shows up later. So he patented this process in 1905 and was awarded this patent. And then by 1906, he created the Cafe Hag, so K-A-F-F-E-H-A-G coffee company in Germany. Um, I like that, like, coffee hag. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. There's, like, three different names of, like, his partners, and that's coffee hag. And people were like, sure. When we start our women-owned coffee company together, Steph, we're going to call it coffee hag. I love it, (laughs) yeah. By 1912, he was selling it across Europe as a luxury brand item. You guys know what the name of the luxury brand that he created? Uh, It started in France. Balenciaga. out there. Close. So close. <laughs> a little coffee called Sanka. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the original decaf. Whoa. Is Sanka all decaf right now? Uh-huh. Okay. Still is. And it's French for sans caffeine. Oh. Sanka. Huh. Yeah. And that was the luxury brand, huh? Mm-hmm. My, how things change. <laughs> um, this guy was really, like, smart with marketing. He claimed that the decaf... Um, would protect the heart and the nervous system. By 1923, he was selling his coffee internationally and started gaining popularity in the United States. And that's Hmm. when the FDA stepped in and said, stop putting fucking benzene in your coffee. That was about 10 years later. um, um, Another thing was happening in the uh, 1920s um, and that uh, there was a young political 
leader starting in Germany, kind of gaining popularity. Oh, oh yeah. Um, this guy was back in Germany too, huh? Yeah. Everything, um, this episode traces back to Germany. You all guys roads. Might, have, might have heard of uh, a yeah. little guy called uh, Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. In the guy. 20s, him and the owner of Cafe Hag, um, I guess, like, met privately. He was trying to support, like, uh. him early on, just early on. This is before all the Holocaust and, like, the race, you know, things Jewish, started happening. So very early. And he was a Christian conservative. Um, Sinka guy? Sinka guy was conservative nationalist, mm. Um, mm. but was not, like, didn't fully support. And actually, he fell out of favor when the shit started to... to hit the fan um but he did support him early Look, on i don't know that you can be like i supported this like nationalist guy back in the day but i didn't think he would start exterminating people yeah. <laughs> i just i just liked him when he was just words well the funny thing is <laughs> is like I, I mean like the actions are a little extreme yeah well he tried like, you still supported him and like the words so it's like he was an early like financial supporter of adolf hitler yeah i mean come and on then, just because you denounce somebody when they start doing terrible things doesn't mean that you like get excused from supporting the terrible things they were saying before they took the and actions. it wasn't for lack of try like he tried to join the nazi party twice but he got rejected both times because he was also a patron of the arts. And he was rejected for specifically supporting degenerate art. Oh, the gays. Mm. And it was a little street. It's like a cool street, I guess. I don't even know how to pronounce it. We'll put it online. But it was a street in Germany that he was ex he was supporting like brick building architectural art. It's like really kind of odd art. And he tried to, like, tie it to Hitler, and Hitler was like, no, I'm not really cool with that art. And that's why he was not allowed into the Nazi party. Damn. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You kind of, like, sorry, you like art? We won't take you. Yeah. He liked the wrong kind of art. Degenerate art, which oh. I'm I'm sure that's a word for gay people. Gay. I'm sure it is. Mm -hmm. I wonder, too, if maybe it was just, like, edgier art as well. Like, there had to be other kind of degenerates besides just gay people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at it still Jewish now, art? it's like a protected, like, street. It's like a 300-meter street in Germany. Um, and there's, like, these awesome brick buildings that are all kind of, like, weird and funky and, and very, like, cool to look at. So um, it didn't stop him Do from... you want to try to pronounce it? Batterstrasch. <laughs> I think I nailed it. We have some listeners in Germany. Let yeah. us know. Even though he wasn't like admitted into the party as a fully fledged Nazi, it did not stop him from like promoting his own like caffeine is a poison agenda um, and cozying up to the Nazi party. And the funny thing is, is that like that really coincided with the Nazis agenda for like health. There was this whole like Nazi propaganda of like, don't drink alcohol, don't smoke tobacco, like get outdoors. You know, they had this like Nordic obsession with like Nordic old world, like getting outside and connecting with nature and like being healthy and caffeine was viewed by the Nazi party. They thought it was a poison too. So I don't know if that's coincidental or if it was like him like planting, like marketing. But a little bad for drinking decaf right now. They adopted <laughs> this like drinking decaf was a way to preserve a healthy Aryan population. Hmm. Hmm. So they were drinking his decaf Ugh. at, like, all the fucking Nazi, like, state meetings. And eventually, decaf became, like, the official state coffee of, like, Germany. Man, the huh. fucking Nazi party sounded lame AF. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not only were they terrible, but they were also super lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it got some help. The, the decaf got some help from that. But it was also still marketed as a luxury item. And so it still was, like, gaining popularity internationally and growing. And, and because he was never really, like, a fully-fledged Nazi, when things started to go south... He tried to distance himself with Hitler, and I think he ended up finding himself at odds with Hitler. In 1932, the Café Hag company started running ads saying that Café Hag uh, was kosher. Huh. And that, quote, anybody who drinks Café Hag is near and dear and important to us. Which political affiliation or creed he is for us is completely irrelevant. Mm. And they took out like full page ads in Germany to say I don't, that. I still don't like this. Like you don't, I'm I'm sorry, but you don't get to fucking support Hitler and then turn around and make your product kosher. I don't know. I don't like it. I, I don't, don't know. like it. Can you not start and be like, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, I'm a little torn on this. I agree that it just sounds like a marketing tactic. But anyone who is like standing up to power publicly is helping. Yeah, right? I guess. Whether it's like for a good reason or not, it's helpful. Well, it could also be that know, they like, were like an international brand at this point, right? What they year were was selling this again? in America in 1932. I mean, he helped. The war hasn't even started at that point oh, yet. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I guess so he didn't actually, so all of these atrocities had not yet happened. Yeah, this was actually way before. Yeah, that's so he true. turned early. I kind of had my timeline screwed up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, So you're we right. can, we're cool. Okay, we're cool. Okay, we're Officially, fine. no bad reviews is okay with Sanka. Go ahead. Okay, we're yeah. fine. <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. I take it all back. Um, But I do think it is kind of funny, though, that the Nazi party was like promoting decaf as a healthy alternative to poison and caffeine when they were literally poisoning themselves with benzene. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So in large doses, benzene causes fetal development issues, blood disorders and cancer. That is kind of funny. (sighs) Not you know what? They should have drank a lot more decaf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They did not drink enough. Um, After World War II, the health effects of benzene were apparent. And then Cafe Hag started trying multiple different types of organic solvents to to finally settle on the one that's still used today, which is methylene chloride. That also Um, still doesn't sound good. Another organic solvent that's used in... um, I think also paint stripping. <laughs> like all, it's like a slightly less um, That's um, with like most decaf, right? Like the macro decaffeination. Yes. Usually it's this methylene chloride, right? Yeah. That's still the cheapest and um, what is claimed to be like the most effective way to decaffeinate coffee is using methylene chloride. And I guess like I'll just say today we're going to try a couple of different Decaf methods that Marcus still has to talk about. Are we trying methylene? Yes. We we are? Yes. You had samples of that? I did. Uh-huh. I got some sent to us from one of our importers that, uh-huh. that had some. So there's a bit of a demonization of like using chemicals as like a decaffeination process. And a lot of that comes back to marketing efforts in the 80s by a company called Swiss Water. Mm. I would just like to say that we are a partner with Swiss water. <laughs> yeah. We are like an official Swiss water partner yeah. with so our coffee brand. We will word our criticism carefully then. <laughs> no, I think Swiss water is great, actually. I really like it. Yeah. And they have like a whole thing of like, 
decaf before death, which is I appreciate because there's like this whole like death before decaf. Mm. Yeah, like, I would drink slogan. decaf before dying for sure. Like <laughs> and Swiss those water are my two options. Swiss uh. water turned it around to decaf before death, and I was like, thanks, Swiss water. Mm. Um, 1932, another thing happened. General Foods, which was the owner of the Maxwell House brand, bought the instant decaf arm of Sanka in the United States. Okay. Oh, so that's now Maxwell House, eh? And now that was bought out and merged. No, I shouldn't say it was bought out. It was merged with Kraft Foods. So now it's Kraft General Foods. Don't okay. give away our um, our episode that we're going to do one day on Maxwell House. Okay. <laughs> they also own International Coffee, International Delight. You see mm. the creamer? Same company. Um, interesting thing, too, is that Sanka in the United States was this, like, bright orange like packet and branding they were so like that was decaf was this like orange people had such a high association <gasps> that's even like with at it. the restaurant oh my god that, that's where it came from the orange little thing that that signifies decaf came from the sanka brand oh how funny if you see the orange you know it's decaf and that's all because sanka branded it orange did you ever work in a breakfast restaurant yeah stuff? me too yeah yeah, with the orange handle yeah. on uh-huh. all the coffee pots. The orange That's handle so interesting. comes from Sanka. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I could totally see you at some, like, divey breakfast diner. Kiss like, my grits. Like, hey, toots, what oh, you want? That's a fucking cool name for a divey de- breakfast diner. Did you work there, too? Is that another one? What, kiss my grits? Yeah. Oh, no. That- <laughs> That's just what Steph's going to call it. The egg and I. And Sorry, we're having grits. a generation oh, yeah, gap was, again. Egg and I. Now I remember. <laughs> That's hilarious. There was a TV show called Alice about three waitresses who worked in a diner, Mel's Diner. And are you guys seriously looking at me like you don't remember this? I'm hanging on your words right now. Um, So one of the waitresses was this like sassy southern lady who always said, kiss my grits. I cannot <laughs> believe. I loved this show That's as a so kid. That's so cute. That needs, be, that needs to be the name of a breakfast restaurant. I love that. I will open a breakfast restaurant called Kiss My Grits. You have to. Yeah. Okay. I'm not joking. Right. I, can I work for you? Yes. Okay. We're going to turn the tables. <laughs> It's going to be great. You're going to write my paychecks. Awesome. Finally. Yes. So by 1981, Sanka or General Foods switched completely over from methylene chloride to ethyl acetate. Mm, Wait. That's slightly better. Ethyl acetate. Is that nail polish remover? Oh, that's a good point. It is a nail polish remover. That's a great. That's really thought, good. So I thought the ethyl acetate was the sugar. The sugar one that, cane process. Yeah. So ethyl acetate is a... Another solvent, but this one is like a much easier, um, quickly to evaporate like solvent. And it's made from combining ethanol with acetic acid, also known as vinegar. Okay. Oh, so it's like ethanol made from sugar, like the sugar canes, right? Yeah. And then they mix it with vinegar? Super popular huh. in, in Colombia. So in the South American region, most of the coffee from that's ethyl acetate decaffeinated is done in South America because they have such a strong um, sugarcane-like industry. Mm, and they take the sense. waste from that to make the alcohol. They take some of that alcohol to make the vinegar. And so it's like a low – they're taking a waste byproduct. And then they mix those two together, distill it. And then you end up with ethyl acetate, which is this solvent that then gets worked into the same like wash, rinse, repeat cycle that decaffeinates the coffee. That's really interesting. caffeine gets pulled out um, with ethyl acetate. So is is that kind of like a a little bit more of like a environmentally friendly then? Because they're using waste products? Yeah. 
Um, it's also used as a perfume carrier, and it's got a it's a natural byproduct. It gets produced in wine um, oh. because the alcohol mixes with the vinegar, and also it's like a natural okay. sort of process that Makes gets sense. created in the wild too. So um, I'm having con- I'm conflicted here. I'm like I can't decide if ethyl acetate is good or bad because if it's a nail polish remover, that's not so good. As a former nail tech, I can tell you acetone is not good. It's not the same as acetone. Okay. Acetone is also a nail polish remover. Nail polish Anyways, remover. Anyways, any like nail polish remover is like my experience with nail polish removers is they're all pretty like chemically. Yeah. You know? But then if it's the byproduct of wine yeah, that I people mean, are consuming. Young wines, friend, like young table wines and things like that will have naturally occurring ethyl acetate in it. It just happens. Hmm. It's aroma is sweet um, and fruity. It smells like pears to a lot of people, and it leaves behind a pleasant aroma in the roasted beans. Some people claim that that's like a roast defect. I like ethyl acetate process decaf. I think I like the fruitiness that it kind of leaves behind. I like our partnership with Swiss Water. Don't get me wrong. I also like and appreciate like a good sugarcane. Those coffees are those decafs are good though. They're so good, and they are. they're like roast. They roast easier. Like it seems like they. It's easier. I don't know. They they're good. I know. It is. They're, it's like they're they're very close to like a regular coffee. Yeah. The sugar cane processed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing is about all of these. The argument that's made um, is that they're yes, you're using like even with methylene methylene chloride, um, is that they're chemical solvents that evaporate off. And then throughout the roasting process, like the heat, when you introduce the heat, like any residual chemical is going to be gone by the Mm -hmm. time it gets to your cup. So like that's the argument that like everybody that's not Swiss water is making is like it's totally safe. And the toxicity for ethylene or ethyl acetate, it's like so low, you know, like I said, it naturally occurs in some wines. So it's not like you're going to get sick um, in any normal circumstance. The ethyl acetate process was also patented in, t- in 1910 by a different Ludwig in Germany. <laughs> um, huh. This guy was Ludwig uh, Caesar. Caesar? I don't know. Um, but he patented his decaffeination process. He actually worked at a different, very large domestic goods um, company called Munich Food Company. It was actually the largest... Tr- like domestic good importer exporter like servicing germany in the early 1900s and he eventually became one of their managing partners lots of decaf in germany mm-hmm. yeah that's really interesting they, they'll give you a beer but they're gonna take the caffeine from your coffee yeah maybe they're just about chilling you know <laughs> just want you to relax but that doesn't seem like it goes with the german work ethic that yeah we're that's familiar true with, uh-huh, so. uh-huh. Yeah, did they kick the brewers out i'm wondering like because they were like anti-alcohol yeah that's a good we'll clarify oh. that next time that's a good question right. how breweries were affected by the nazis they're hmm. like just get the fuck out and everybody moved to milwaukee <laughs> <laughs> um incidentally ludwig's son after um sorry the second ludwig his son um, was executed by the Nazi party in 1945 for, quote-unquote, incitement to hatred and proximity to resistance. Mm. So he was, like, he was killed by the Nazi party for being anti-Nazi party mm. in 1945. That was, like, yeah. height of... Nazi... Yeah. Yep. Fucking... Uh. 
Um, another Good. little tidbit here. Munich Foods created the grain coffee substitute that eventually became known as Caro, C-A-R-O. You guys ever see that? That like corn coffee shit that you can still get at the grocery stores today? It's owned by Nestle. No. I don't hear about this? know about that. Sounds this. like we're going to no. have to have an episode. Yeah. I've never heard of this. It's like a, it's a, yeah, it's like a non-caffeinated grain coffee substitute. So like a chicory type thing that corn. they're trying to do. But I'm saying like, yeah, but corn. But yeah, yeah. Like a chicory it's still popular in some like eastern european communities like you can get it in like obviously no caffeine yeah no caffeine oh that's so interesting i want to try it i want to try corn how are we illinoisans not drinking corn coffee fucking a right huh yeah Yeah, right yeah i can see this i can see like a corn flavored drink roasted being good yeah that doesn't sound bad to me actually Mm because corn's a little sweet Mm -hmm. yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah. All that starchiness. I like this idea. Yeah. I think it sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> so that no surprise. <laughs> brings us to Swiss water. That's mm. There's other like decaffeination methods, but these are like the really main popular ones that are done today. Um, well, let me just point out too, though. It's like water process. Swiss water is a brand that uses water to decaffeinate, but they're not the only ones. They're not. Right? So in 1933, they patented their version of decaffeination using only water. It wasn't until 19... 19- was it in Switzerland? It was in Switzerland. Okay, good. And that was a Cofex company, C-O-F-E-X company. And they started and built a facility in Vancouver, British Columbia in 1980. It took that long to become commercially viable. Hmm. Wow. Um, and 50 in, years, huh? Yeah. There's still hope for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only certified organic decaf facility in the world. Oh, wow. Oh. No caffeine or no, uh, no chemicals. And uh, the process mixes water with green coffee, heats it under low pressure until the green coffee, the solubles in the green coffee mix with the water and it, come, it kind of becomes like equilibrium. And then the caffeine spreads out between the same amount of caffeine in the beans, same amount of caffeine oh, in the water. Interesting. They take the water out, they scrub it through charcoal and get the caffeine mm. out of that water and mix that water now that's decaffeinated back in with the original beans, wait it for it to equilibrium, and they like pull it out. It takes like 14 or 15 rinses. Oh, huh. that's so cool. To get 99.9% of the caffeine out of the beans. That's really hmm. interesting. Yeah. Do you guys know what they do with the caffeine? Oh, oh, wait, let me guess. Yes. They sell it to Coca-Cola and other soda makers yes, as an additive. <laughs> All the caffeine in soda, soft drinks, uh, comes from the decaffeination process. Of only water process? No, all, the all, co- of them? all of them, yeah. All the caffeine that's left over is huh. sold either as dietary supplements or to the soft drink industry. How do they get it out of the charcoal? Well, yeah. no, actually, I did look into Science. that. What they do is they then evaporate the water out. Oh, and then the caffeine is left behind. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, that yep. makes sense. It's like yeah. a powder. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, baby. Look at this. We are learning all sorts of stuff. Look, I feel like all it's of our episodes are tying episode together ever. right now. <laughs> they like, are. It's like this is tying back to all of them. Monster energy and every Nazi episode Coca-Cola. we've ever done. <laughs> and, yep. Awesome. There is some controversy Paxed. with Swiss water process. Uh, Jeremy, a na- uh, guy named Jerry Baldwin. You guys ever heard of this guy? I hadn't heard about him. He was a, the co-founder of Starbucks. He was their first oh. roaster. Wait, wait, wait. What was his name? 
Jerry Baldwin, co-founder of Starbucks. He was their first coffee roaster, their first green coffee buyer. Wow. He wrote an article in 2009 for The Atlantic. He was making a case for methylene chloride. And he was like, <laughs> fuck Swiss water. He was like so mad at them for being like aggressively promoting their like anti-chemical. He, was, he felt it was unfair. He's like, because of the reasons that I mentioned earlier, like if you care about the green coffee that comes in and you care about like the roasted coffee that comes out, his argument that methylene chloride was his favorite process. He felt like the cup quality from MC was better than the cup quality, at least in 2009, from SWP or Swiss water process. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is um, a place for all of it, right? Because there's people who are really not into chemicals. There are people who, like, are really into flavor. There are, there's, like, it seems to me like there's a processing method that kind of works for everyone. He just felt that their aggressively aggressive marketing like anti-chem <laughs> was like the reason why people thought it was bad is because Swiss water made it sound so bad like oh it's so bad these chemicals and he's like They're really not and it's it's like the decaf is pretty good. Starbucks is opposed to aggressive marketing. Yeah, right. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and he felt that they were still number 2. At you least know, in 2009, as far as cup quality. You know what? I'd like a fucking half calf. If you're going to decaf, the first step of water decaffeination, you're taking half the caffeine out and then half is in the water. Stop uh, there. Stop there. It's I want a half calf coffee. Jenny's perfect cup. Yeah. Yeah. Then I don't have to keep mixing coffees. Well, see, he said that. I want a half calf. In this article, he said Somebody. it costs about eight cents per pound to use methylene chloride versus the 40 cents per pound to do water. Maybe if it's just one rinse, it goes down to like 20 cents and everybody's happy. <laughs> Wouldn't this be cool if you... Or do they have half-calf beans out there? No. But they do have a new type of caffeine-free bean that they're trying to like... like It grows without caffeine and they're trying to... It's decaffeinado. Oh. I want to get my hands on some of that. You know, that makes yeah. sense for all the advancements in, you know, plant genealogy... Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they haven't already come up with a naturally decaffeinated bean. Yeah, I'm curious about this. Is it like bioengineered or are they just like no, selecting like for a lower selective. calf? Yeah. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. They found a, like a weird hybrid that had very low caffeine uh-huh. and they were now it gets still like it's probably still years out from actually being commercially viable, but it's it's a real thing. It's called decaffeinado. I'm That's still interesting. I'm still stuck on this half calf. I want to start a half calf coffee company. Well, we could really easily just mix full, like we. No, full no, calf, that's right? not. That's <laughs> not. I want to make beans that are already half calf. You I know, half calf beans, and then they're not as changed. I would have to imagine, so it's going to be easier to roast. All I can say is, whenever you try to make everybody happy, I'm not trying to make <laughs> everyone happy. Nobody's fucking happy. I'm trying to make me happy. Uh huh. Maybe you could do okay. a little water processing in your bathtub or something. Hey. Actually, it doesn't seem. I mean, if the, if they were able to do this shit in 1910, we could fucking do this in our we bathtub. Just need a little benzene or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just kidding. Probably do it with some methylene. And I want some of that decaffeinated grown coffee. Yeah. Um, my favorite quote during all of this research was from the public affairs guy at General Foods. His name was John Whitman. He said that <laughs> with Sanka, he said, we never promoted it as an appealing cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he said, mainly targeted for old people who were just sensitive to caffeine. 
<laughs> and so with that, shall we brew some coffee? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Modest Coffee roasts the highest quality single-origin coffees without the snobbery. They take the guesswork out of buying specialty coffee by carefully curating green coffees and sorting them to one of their tiers, based on cupping score, price, flavor notes, and roast level. Go to www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Pip pip cheerio! So we're going to olfactory reveal. Olfactory reveal. Okay, what order do you want us to do this in, what Marcus? Do, give us give us the first bag and tell us what it is. We're going to start in order of the story. Let's do it the methylene chloride first. Well, let me just, we have three bags. You sample roasted a little bit of each. So we've yes. got all three that we talked about today. Right. And so to keep it all fair i didn't roast anything like we would normally do i did our sample roast which for me is a pretty standardized set amount and it's all taken one minute past first crack and so they're all should be fairly same similar roast levels that i didn't put my hand on so to speak it's like a standardized roast okay um first we're going to start with the methylene chloride and then we're going to go to uh the ea coffee the s uh What's it? Ethylene acetate? Or no. Ethyl acetate. Ethyl acetate. Mm-hmm. Tate? Okay. Yeah. Not acetone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Ethyl acetate. And then we're going to finish off with our current Timor Swiss water process. Okay. Great. Yep. Cool. This might be the first time I've ever tried decaf coffee of any kind. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever had decaf before. I made half calf for you last time. I have had half calf because you forced me to drink it, mm-hmm. but that's... I have. Um... Yeah. But I've never had, like, a cup of decaf. Huh. Yeah. Are these, like, popcorn popper roasted? Yes. Cool. All of them. Fun. So, yeah. like, the whole point in sample roasting is just to get a baseline idea. There is some science to it, and it's it's more eliminating it's like the, the variables. Right. That's the control version. Okay. This is your control. So I can say, okay, all things being equal, how does this coffee compare to that coffee? You know what I'm saying? Try yeah. to minimize the variables so I know, like, what coffee I would want to bring in. Cool. Yeah. And so that's what we're getting. We're getting the control group coffee. This is the methylene whatever. Chloride. Methylene chloride. I wonder if we can smell a difference. Hmm. The, I would say the methylene whatever smells worse than the ethyl. I couldn't tell if that was just in my head or not. They definitely smell different. The, that one, the ethylene, has way more aroma and smells more like coffee, whereas this uh, methylene does not. I agree that the coffee smell is stronger in this one. Yeah, for sure. And it smells like a good coffee. And then this one is the water process. Yeah. Let's see how this one smells. Yeah, I'm curious now. I was smelling that tea more the other day when I was bagging some coffee, and it smells really good, actually. Mm, I don't... I might... I think I like the smell of the middle one better, the... um. Mm. Acetate one. I think I do too. The sugar cane process. I'm just going to call it the sugar cane process because that's how I know of it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The ethylene smells the best out of all the, all the processing methods. Does country of origin matter here? Marcus says yes. Marcus is not in front of his microphone right now because he's, he's brewing coffee for Steph and I. And he's very focused on getting that measurement exactly perfect. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that the EA or the sugarcane process is like the favorite because from what I was reading and also in personal experience, like that little 
kind of free. It's got a good, pleasant aftertaste, oh, after yeah. like smell. And right, you said fruity and yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah. So, but just in terms, like that, it's pleasant. But just in terms of like coffee aroma, like I'm not even talking sweet or any sort of like picking up any like notes of cherry or something. Like it just has the most, the strongest coffee. Okay. Smell to it. Like and the other two smell like kind of muted, mm. whereas that middle one smells like coffee and you know they're all three different beans too like the uh, mc is from mexico the other one is from timor so you've got a you've got a different coffee green coffee for each of them Mm -hmm. the whole idea with like decaf is like um the better the green that goes in the better that it's going to taste in the cup so yeah there's like a the whole like movement right now especially with like swiss water right of like bringing in really high quality green coffee to start with mm-hmm. that'll give you a better tasting cup in the end right um but yeah under testros that colombia definitely is the winner yeah um right. so let's start with the mc all right mc mm, i don't love the way it smells i think it smells kind of nutty i'm not getting much aroma at all yeah me neither it's just it's kind of flat yeah i get a little bit of nuttiness to it can i give a disclaimer really quickly because Marcus is the one who roasted these, and so it's like us, I don't feel bad being honest. Oh, okay. We can give a bad review because it's Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, also, it's, it's not, not a brand, and we're yeah, not like, right. you know, these are samples that are that we can be critical of, I think, because you we know, have to this be. is what I would have to do anyways, yeah. Is this the first episode where instead of critiquing a brand, we're critiquing a process right yeah, uh-huh. yeah. that's really true. interesting right mm-hmm. that's a good point yeah eh, i'm not a fan of the flavor yeah it's got a little sour yeah it is yeah. but not like a sour like a normal coffee sour it's like Do a you bad taste that i don't like it yeah. all right um there's not a lot of coffee flavor mm-hmm. and maybe that's it is a light roast a lighter roast it looks like based yeah. on the look of it in my cup and maybe that it's one minute after first crack. And so I like to do this after for sample roast because if you roast it too long, it just all starts to taste like roasted coffee. Right. So, excuse me. So this is going to taste like the origin, quote unquote, of the coffee. We're still going to preserve what's in the bean. Right. That's okay. what I like to yeah. do. Yeah. Not the best representation, but a good representation. But you can taste the acidity in this. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think it's particularly great. It has a but weird, like, that, lingering aftertaste. It does have a little weird aftertaste, I want right? to say, like, straw or grass or mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. All right, don't Kinda love... nutty. I don't love the methylene glycol or whatever it is. <laughs> adding compounds. <laughs> Did I just make meth by accident there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, we have the one that smells good, the sugarcane process. Mm, yeah, let's see how this one goes. Fill me up in this fancy glass, little tiny glass I have, Marcus. We're, we're doing this with mostly shot glasses because that's what we have. It smells much more like coffee E. Definitely like a sweetness that I'm having trouble putting my finger on that's familiar. Ooh. Ooh. Like um, mm. molasses-y? Mm, yeah. I know what you mean. This one has almost like a little bit of a tea-like flavor to it to me, too. It, it could is be way little, sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was thinking like a sweet, like... I know I've brought up rooibos tea in the past. Like, oh, with the cascara. Mm-hmm. It almost has a little bit of a hint of that rooibos sweetness. It's crazy, though, to think that, like, as similar as they look in the cup, like, roast level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
This is so not acidic. Yeah. Much sweeter. Very s- much smoother, too. Smoother. I still don't feel like it has, like, a really great, sh- like, coffee flavor, well, you know? But that's also, yeah, I think, maybe it's because it's the sample and it's right. not very dark. If it were roasted properly, I could see where this could be a really good coffee. Yeah, for sure. It's very pleasant. Yeah. It's a very pleasant flavor. This one I can easily drink with no additives. Yeah, I definitely prefer it over the first one. Okay. Yeah, I was really hoping like that we would all be surprised and be like, man, that M- that methylene chloride, <laughs> that shit was jamming. That was the best one. Sorry, Starbucks. I knew I shouldn't take coffee advice from you. It did have a like weird kind of acidic aftertaste yeah, that this one good. does not have. Yeah. See, Let's it's try. not just it's not just Swiss water marketing. I know. Let's no, try the next one. Wait, was the Starbucks guy saying Swiss water isn't better than sugarcane, or was he specifically talking about the He was specifically talking about methylene chloride okay. as being like the best. Okay. Well, big surprise. Yeah, right. Starbucks is wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's try the next one. From the company with something called the pink drink. I don't need to take their advice on coffee. I've never tried the pink drink. That's what the kids always want every time we go. Can I get a pink drink? This is why they love Starbucks because they have drinks that are pink. And cake pops. Oh, yes. And cake pops. And now they have unicorn cake pop and possibly dog cake pops. This is not sponsored (laughs) by Starbucks, by the way. Those cake pops are good, though. I'm not a cake pop fan. No surprise. Mm. Steph doesn't like fun things. (laughs) I know. She just wants her, like, canned salmon and ginger snaps. (laughs) There's this um, bakery in Naperville that we sell coffee to called Dieta's, and they um, have the most delicious treat that you can get there. It's, like, two giant oatmeal cookies, giant, like, six inches in diameter, and then they have, like, a one-inch layer of buttercream frosting in the middle. So good. That sounds awful. But you cannot eat the whole thing at once because I'm pretty sure you'd have an immediate heart attack. <laughs> I like cut it up and have like little slices of it at a time. Oh. I've only so ever seen good. the little slices. I didn't know they were that big when they started. Eight <laughs> servings per wow. cookie. It's so good. That's a really good bakery if you're in the area. Yeah. Um, so this one, to me, tastes the most like coffee. Mm, this one does taste the most like coffee. For you're right. sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting because I was expecting, based on the olfactory reveal, to like the Swiss water process. The like, I expected that to be my second choice based on olfactory reveal. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like the sweetness of the other one. I think maybe a little more mm-hmm. personally, but I, this one feels the most like untouched. Mm-hmm. It like tastes the most natural. I also was surprised because in my past experience, I feel like I've typically preferred thought that the sugarcane coffees or the ea coffees were like better coffee flavor yeah and easier to roast but like but this swiss water is really good yeah like this swiss water is really good but if you compare it like just on a sort of like side by side the the ea was definitely sweeter Mm -hmm. it was um and this was water like this is the only one that i want like another cup of yeah i agree that's a good that's the EA you got right there, stuff. Okay, good. Yeah, so I'm going to pull a little bit of our Patreon as a love it or a leave it. I'm definitely a leave it on the the methylene chloride. I don't. I'm not a fan. Yeah. The Swiss water is my favorite, with a close second the ethyl acetate, and then the other one I'm just not a fan. Yeah, I really like that Swiss water. The Swiss water to me tastes like coffee. 
So, yeah. you know, yeah. just like regular, ready to go. Yeah. I was nervous that we weren't mm. going to like the Swiss water and then I was going to feel bad because we've got this partnership with Swiss water. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's going to be awkward if I'm like, I don't like your coffee as much, buddies. Sorry. I know. I know. And I was, I was hoping for all of us to like be like, we all thought that the Swiss water would be, and then be like, man, fucking the chem- chemical one, one out, hands down. But <laughs> I was kind of hoping for some irony in this episode, right. but yeah. no, no surprises. No surprises. Yeah, the Swiss no. water's good. Yeah. You guys have been doing it right all along, it turns out. Good job. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we prefer to buy good coffees anyways. Yeah. It's kind of like our shtick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your high quality shtick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like trying to explain to somebody the other day. Like well, not I was everybody at the gets farmers it. market yesterday in Naperville and um which by the way if you're listening, come on stop by, buy some coffee. Meet Marcus um, in person. Pound the flesh, baby. <laughs> um, and uh, not at the market. Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> I will pound the flesh anytime, anywhere. Um, but I let am me tell you, grimacing right now. It's all good. <sighs> we can talk later. But um, the, what is happening? The team more that we have right now. I, I brewed that, and I had a lady who was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't like artificial blueberry." It says right here on your flavor notes that blueberry is added. (laughs) And I'm like, no, it's not added, right? It's like, it's really intentionally roasted light to keep those flavors intact. And, um, and then, you know, I made her try it and it's, I think the fruitiness really does come through. It's like a weird kind of juicy, fruity amalgamation of all those flavors. And, um, and she just couldn't wrap her head around it, you know? Mm. So she buying a bag of the modest I, tell, <laughs> I just tell people it's like wine like everybody's familiar with wine tasting notes especially if they've seen the movie sideways yeah the flavor yeah. notes can be weird there are some weird ones yeah. i mean blueberry is a little weird mm-hmm. i think so but like marshmallow yeah graham cracker right yeah but damn it if you don't try it and you like and maybe it's the power of suggestion or whatever but like people try it and they're like oh yeah i do taste that <laughs> you know and i like that i like seeing people's eyes light up faces light up when they do that yeah i think it's just like a it's like a reminds you of Mm -hmm. sort of thing it might not actually taste like graham crackers but you're like oh something about this brings back like the memory of me eating a graham cracker (laughs) right (laughs) but i mean like that's what all all sort of flavor is is like your brain like trying to connect the dots and being Mm -hmm. like oh this reminds me of that yeah Mm -hmm. and that's all that's what it's all about right yeah so, is right. that our episode? I think so. Cool. This was really interesting. Thanks, yeah. Marcus. Thanks, yeah. Marcus. Now we all know a little more about decaf. I knew nothing about decaf. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Maybe some people want to drink a little decaf more often. Marcus says the true coffee drinker is the decaf drinker because they're drinking it for the coffee and not the caffeination. Yeah, mm. for the flavor. For I like say that. the pure love of coffee. Right. That's, that's a really decaf nice. drinker. Mm-hmm. I do. I really think that that's true. Oh, I'll stop shitting on the decaf drinkers. Mm-hmm. You make an excellent point. Right. <laughs> you know, they're doing it because they really love the taste of coffee, uh-huh. not because they're getting caffeinated. So. That's nice. I might pick up a bag of decaf for some after-dinner dessert coffee drinking now. Yeah, I mean, how, how much do you actually like coffee stuff? Prove <laughs> <laughs> it to us. <laughs> I swear to God, I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here as a part of this episode. If you want to follow us on social media, 
we would love that. It's at No Bad Reviews Pod on the places. Um, send us an email at hello at no bad reviews podcast.com. You can send us suggestions. You can send us a coffee story if you have one, or you just send us anything. Um, if you have something tangible you want to send us, just go ahead and Google Modest Coffee and send it there. For Patreon, we've got a peach bourbon coffee that we're going to try. In a K-cup. In a K-cup. Yeah. And then we also have a coffee beer to try. Another one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So, yeah, that's what we got for you guys. Over I'm looking on forward to one of those. I'll let you guys guess. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have it's... to join Patreon to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys uh, feel as strong as a Nazi after all that decaf? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast, generously sponsored by Modest Coffee, purveyors of single-origin coffee without the snobbery. Visit www.modest.coffee forward slash no bad reviews to see what they're roasting today. Enjoy.